Boxing show on the Grueling Truth Sports Network. The old-time boxing show is brought to you by Manscaped. Check them out at manscaped.com. Promo code TGT20 for 20% off your first purchase and free shipping. Today on the old-time boxing show, I'm your host, Mike Goodpaster. I want to welcome in boxing historian Christopher Shelton. How you doing, Chris? Good. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Ohio uh, heavyweight champion. All right. And today we're going to look back at Buster Douglas. Or would that be the real Rocky? I know I like, like, like to call Chuck Webner that, but I think Buster Douglas for that one night in Tokyo will be remembered forever. And he was a guy that talent-wise, I think it's a raw deal. He was a very talented guy. He was just his own worst enemy, as so many of those heavyweights were in the 80s and the 90s. Uh, yes, and I think that uh, his story, uh, because there was so lack of expectation when he fought Tyson, there really wasn't... Uh, we had to learn really everything from him after he won. Who is this guy and where did he come from? And you're right, he's a talented boxer. His dad was a talented middleweight, the first uh, from Ohio, for Columbus, Ohio, to win the Golden Gloves um, in, in Ohio. And, uh, you know, you think of the, the dad things. I was just thinking with Tyson and Holyfield, you know, we don't really know much about their dads. But Douglas's dad was really tight with them. And uh, Douglas was introduced to boxing uh, and when he was born and uh, visited his dad's gym uh, often. Yeah, was a tough fighter. Uh, when we look back at Buster Douglas, it seems to me like maybe he's one of those guys that had a stage dad that kind of forced him into it because he was never a guy except for at a few different occasions that really looked like he wanted to be a boxer. Well, yeah, it's a little puzzling, and I'm not sure because Douglas himself said that his dad uh, didn't want him to become a boxer, tried to you know avoid it, and and a lot of it wasn't just protecting him. It also he thought his kid wasn't tough. He was big and strong and stuff. And, and his kid liked to play basketball a lot. So he actually would tell him, you want to just play basketball, not like become a pro, but just, you know, you're not serious about this. And, and Buster's saying, yes, I am serious about this. Well, if you get serious about it, then his dad's going to be on top of him. And his dad was tough. His dad was real tough, tough on Buster, tough on his wife, tough on uh, fit relatives. Uh, Bill Douglas is in charge. Uh, and if you want to go into Bill Douglas's boxing gym, He's in charge, and he reminds that to his kid. All right. And Buster started off his professional career with four consecutive wins, not against the greatest of competition. One guy, Jesse Clark, was 0-20 when Buster knocked him out. But his fifth fight is noteworthy because he fought David Bay. This was November the 6th, 1981, at the Civic Arena in Pittsburgh. I believe this was on the home snipes undercard, and Bay actually beat Buster Douglas, and it was Bay's pro debut. Uh, yeah, and Douglas said he was uh, sort of confused at how he became a pro. He said that he thought he was fighting on, on the first first bout. He, he thought it was an amateur bout, but he got paid. So he said, no, you're a professional. So he took the Holmes fight, not still really serious about being a boxer. It's just they're going to get actual money for this. You know, he really never got money from boxing before, and they're going to pay you money because Larry Holmes is the guy. And uh, he liked that. He, he liked the money um, more than he liked anything else. He lost, and... Uh, you know, Bill Douglas, I'm sure, is really disappointed. Buster, well, you know, what are you going to do? I didn't I didn't really know what I was doing out there. Yeah, and then after that, he goes on. He beats another guy who was debuting. He beat a guy that was 0-14, and another one that was 2-7. and seven. <laughs> He beat Rick Ennis. I love those guys who are 0-14. 0-13, yeah. and they go back out there in the ring. Yeah. I, I love that. That's a tough son of uh, a bitch. Oh, it will. That's somebody that needs money really bad and can't get a job. And He's then – Another noteworthy fight is he got a draw against Stefan Tangstead, who for a while was the European heavyweight champion, who eventually, four years later, I think it was, fought Michael Spinks for the heavyweight title, but he got a draw in Chicago against Tangstead. Well, I think it's uh, interesting when you listen to Buster Douglas's version of these things, because he would say, who? Uh, he, he's just really not focused at this time. He's never, he, he, he's losing, uh, he's not really, the technique and stuff, he's not, uh, he, eventually he's just going to stick to a jab, but he still doesn't really have any of the fundamentals down. He's never been hurt, uh, even though he's been technical knockouts. Uh, so right now he's just cruising and hoping that they'll, they'll put him back on Larry Holmes. Larry Holmes has registered in his head as money. Uh, I'm hoping, well, maybe they'll put me on somebody that, that makes money because I like to get money. Yeah, and then after that, he beats Tim Johnson, 6-26, and 26, Jesse Clark, 0-27. He beat Jesse Clark again in a rematch. It was 0-28 then. Uh, really fought nobody until we get to Randall Tex Cobb 
who he beat in 19, or he didn't beat in 1984. Well, he did beat him by a majority. He did beat him. He said he they had no idea who he was fighting, what was going on. And they said, you're going to fight uh, Randall Tex Cobb in about three or four days. He said, I heard of him. You know, doesn't that make him dangerous? And they go, well, you're, you're facing him uh, this Saturday. If you, if you, if you don't show up, you know, you, you're not going to get paid. You're not going to whatever. So he shows up there not knowing anything about really the guy, except he had a, sort of a name and, and did pull out a win, which, you know, Tax Cobb is, is named. And I think somewhere in there's the Mike F White fight that he lost. And just to mention who he was, he was a, one of those tough guy competition guys. Uh, and uh, Douglas said, that man hurt me. He said, I've never been hurt in a boxing bout before. That man hurt me. I knew what it was to feel pain. And I realized that boxing was well, could be dangerous and, and painful if I'm not careful. Yeah, and he gets a win against Deion Simpson, who was undefeated. I don't know much about him. And then he lost to Jesse to Body Satcher Ferguson, who was 11-0 at the time. Ferguson was a good fighter. He lost a close majority decision there. Yeah, Ferguson's a very good fighter. He was undefeated at the time. He'd eventually call himself a professional sparring partner and, and shot Ray Mercer. But uh, at the time, he's an up-and-comer. He's undefeated. He's going to eventually face Mike Tyson with only one loss. And uh, I thought Douglas won the fight. I thought it was a close fight. Uh, I, I don't like to break up uh, Ferguson's undefeated record. I'm okay about the way things turned out. But uh, I think this is where Douglas has definitely established a jab. And Ferguson, for five rounds, is having difficulty what to do about that jab. And eventually starts becoming more aggressive, trying to push, grab, hold, whatever he could do, and land punches along the way. So uh, it is a close fight. I'm okay that it went to Ferguson. I, I personally would have given it to Douglas, but uh, uh, it was a close fight, and it was good for both of them the way things worked out. All right, and then James Douglas gets his biggest win where he beats Greg Page in 1986, January the 17th at Diani. I would assume that means it was on the Witherspoon Tubs, I think it was, undercard. Uh, you know, I, I don't uh, remember. I've seen the, the, the fight itself. I think you posted it. Uh, so just to see, catch up on Greg Page, because he had just lost his heavyweight title. Um, and uh, this is his first fight after that. And uh, I think that was against Tubbs uh, that, he, that he lost to. So he, Williams a nobody. I mean, Buster Douglas, Buster Douglas, I mean, Buster Douglas a nobody. He's an absolute nobody. And uh, Douglas does win the fight. I did think Douglas won the fight. A lot of the fans didn't. But I will say this for Greg Pitch, because I get to cover a lot of Douglas fights over the last two weeks. Uh, Douglas in almost all his fights, I don't care what the, the judges card said, is leading. He gets a lead. In the first round, he kind of throws some punches, rights and lefts, and, and it, it is what it is. In the second round, he just starts with a jab. Jab, 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 second round. And Page is the only one of all the boxers I can think of, except until Holyfield, that I think it's a big lead on Douglas. I think Page does get the best of the first five rounds. Um, and then I believe Page maybe starts to tire. And by tiring, he's leaving himself just a little more open to that jab. And that jab, once it starts hitting him, I think Douglas is picking up rounds uh, and getting increasingly more dominant. So he did get the decision. It was a big win for Buster Douglas. Uh, Greg Page fans are uh, disappointed. And I can understand they're disappointed. The guy went out there to fight. He did fight hard. Uh, he fought hard all 10 rounds, and I think he was clearly leading after five rounds, and I do think Douglas uh, dominated the second half of the fight. Yeah, and then somehow he gets a title shot off of these wins, and when you look at the record, it's hard to believe. When did he first hook up with Don Kane? Because that seems to be the meal ticket to get a shot at the heavyweight title in the 80s. Yeah, absolutely. I think it was a Don King production that uh, Tucker uh, uh, Douglas and uh, Don King. You know, I got to say because we're not. I I love writing our stories about how awful Don King is. I never get tired of it. But I'm gonna have to say some nice things about him. That actually, I would say that. Well, until he actually beat Tyson, uh, Don King was pretty good to Douglas. Uh, took him sort of a uh, put him on a contract. They usually had these four bout contracts, and that's what he put him on. And um, uh, and, and really, it was just going to be an undercard. Uh, but when he fought Tucker, Tucker was undefeated. Tucker had this reputation of a guy who also had, who did have a stage dad, at least that was the reputation, who wouldn't let him fight anybody. So the winner of this fight is going to fight Mike Tyson, uh, the champion already. And uh, um, I think uh, Douglas surprises everybody by his jab, by his lack of fear. He gets off to a great, uh, great start. He's leading, I believe, after nine rounds. And just cruising along toward, he's a 3-1 underdog to this undefeated Tucker. And then uh, it's going to turn around the 10th round where he, he takes one blow from Tucker. And and from there, Tucker, I give him credit, Tucker uh, tried to finish him. And uh, 
so it was successful according to the referee. Could it have been uh, – did it have to be stopped? I don't know, but I never question a referee when they stop the fight. Douglas is taking a lot of punches uh, when he decides to stop it. Um, and so uh, Tucker gets to face Tyson and eventually at a, went the distance, but I think that's all Tucker was trying to do. Uh, and so Douglas – uh, took away this well, crown. I, I think this, Chris, though, would we watch um, right now we've got round six of Buster Douglas and Two Tony guys. It's being video right now if you're watching along with us instead of listening, we're watching that. And, and you really watch Douglas here. He was a very talented guy, had very quick feet, and he's in shape, it looks like, in this fight. Absolutely. So, he was in physical shape. Uh, credit to John Johnson because he took over. John Johnson took a 300-pounder, who I guess we should have mentioned. Buster Douglas fought a lot heavier uh, in those early bouts and uh, really uh, trained him to be in good shape, not just as a boxer, but as, as a human being that, for health purposes. Uh, we did Buster Mathis, who who gave in to food and died at 51 last uh, show, and, and he wanted to keep this guy alive. It was going to be a real struggle. And, and meanwhile, Douglas is fighting. And it's big guys. You think of Tyson. Tyson's, what, five, uh, ten and a half, maybe 5'11". Um, these guys, uh, uh, Douglas is 6'4", and Tucker's 6'5". So, and Lennox Lewis and Riddick Bowe are around the, the corner, and so is Foreman. So the heavyweight's going to get really big uh, in, in a way that's never been consistent in, in heavyweight boxing. We had some big boxers in the 1890s, uh, but uh, these, these are some big guys for the 1990s. Yeah, the thing, about, the thing about Tucker that stood out to me when he fought Tyson is I thought, I thought the first half of the fight, he really did try to do something with Tyson. And he did give Tyson some trouble. And I think yeah, absolutely. he even gave him three or four rounds. So he kind of was the blueprint. Great, great first round punch that uh, nailed Tyson. First time Tyson ever got really hit by somebody. Yeah, and the, the thing about it is, so I think the difference in them fighting Tyson is this, and we'll watch Buster Douglas against Tyson in a little bit, is Douglas is just physically stronger than Tucker, and he had the ability to just kind of rough Mike Tyson up and walk him back. I don't think Tony Tucker had that. Plus, I think Buster Douglas is quicker. But right here, Buster Douglas is winning this fight, and oh, Tony yeah. Tucker was a guy, he was the one guy people thought may have a shot to be able to give Mike Tyson some issues. Of course, with the undefeated record, the size, the reach advantage he would have. That that, but at the same time, people thought if he could just not be afraid of Mike Tyson, which I guess is really is easier said than done, and, and eventually that would become a problem with Mike Tyson opponents. Is well, you've got a reach advantage. You've got uh, there's a little bit of a blueprint, uh, not to beat Tyson, but certainly at least to be competitive. And uh, fear would would overwhelm him. Tyson, I don't know what Sonny Liston was like, but I I heard he was real scary. But Mike Tyson uh, scared these big guys uh, in the ring. And, and Tucker, I think, surprised himself by fighting so well. And maybe if he had taken some tougher fights before he took on Tyson, it might be different. I don't know. Tucker seemed disappointing even after the Douglas, the Tyson fight sometimes. So I, th I think Tucker's one of these guys who laughs and jokes that he had the shortest heavyweight uh, reign in history in two months. And everybody's saying, well, what are you joking about? Why is that so goddamn funny? But um, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with Tucker's head. But uh, um, Douglas is leading it for nine rounds, three to one underdog, uh, and just looking good. You know, the the jab, everything's working. And then uh, as you'll see here, you've got the tenth round. Uh, Tucker's going to land one blow, and all of a sudden, Tucker is going to look as, as like the guy who at least hit Tyson in the first round and competing against Tyson. You're finally going to see a Tony Tucker that people didn't believe um, existed, even with this undefeated record. Yeah, and Tony, Tony Tucker was one of those guys from the 80s that just could have been because yeah. he was a very talented guy. You look, Buster's still controlling the 10th round at the start of the round. Oh, absolutely. He's controlling, like I said, all the way through. It's a, it's a, it's a really great uh, Buster Douglas performance, but maybe he, he thinks he can take Tucker's best punch uh, and just getting just a, a tiny bit looser than he would be. He's not really just jab, 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 which is when he's at his most effective, like right there. Again, still effective when he can just – Jab, jab. But once he thinks he can maybe um, do more, uh, he, he'll he'll always find himself in a little trouble. But being a big guy, uh, he could he could sort of take a punch. He's already getting hit there pretty hard. Um, but uh, but uh, Douglas really had a, a great fight, and Don King was impressed enough to say, "This guy can't beat my guy. He's going to take over Tyson." He hadn't at that time, but he'd already been in a promoter type uh, stage, but not a manager type stage. But uh, I think Douglas would be a good guy to have as an undercard. And you know, it really was a blessing to Buster Douglas because after this fight, um, he's going to make boxing his career, or at least temporarily. You, you can actually make money off that. 100000 a fight 
uh, being under Don King for four fights. And, and Don King feels he's getting nothing out of it as far as Douglas brings nobody to the table, nobody into the fights. There's an actual calling of it. Like I said, I'm okay with Mills Lane calling. And even if like, Douglas could have gone on, he, he looked like his heart was broken. He just wasn't fighting back. And um, But uh, yeah, there's four for fight contract with uh, Don King. Don King's not getting a lot out of it other than a, a, a big, decent guy to to put in there. And, and Douglas, meanwhile, uh, gets to make a living off boxing and uh, uh, not even fighting really as often. Tyson was still fighting more. Uh, and uh, in a way, it really helped Buster Douglas to have that time to concentrate now on boxing and nothing else. And, and they're repeated by his dad. His dad was in that ring with... Uh, uh, Tucker and he was goddamn pissed off at his kid. He was so fucking mad at his kid. He called him every goddamn name in the book. You quitter. You goddamn whiner. You loser. You're always a loser. You goddamn. He loves his kid, but he's a tough. You know, really disappointing his kid having that lead and, and giving it away in the tenth round. And uh, so is it. Douglas says, you know what? My dad's not only tough on me. He's a total asshole to all my relatives. Everybody's tense. They're all you know tight when Bill Douglas is around. He fired his dad. Uh, but but I got to say this, that eventually when he faces Tyson, he listens to his dad. His dad already put the blueprint in his head, not to fight Tyson, but just this is the best Buster Douglas. And to start not only concentrating on the jab, but to develop a double jab. Now, he doesn't do that uh, uh, and listen to his dad at first. Uh, eventually, it does. So his dad is just, you know. It's, it's certain like certain managers like uh, Earl Weaver or something that they're such a son of a bitch. They can get their team right there to be the best. And then you got to fire them and let some guy who's really easygoing uh, like Bob Lemon or, or uh, the guy that followed uh, Earl Weaver. And, and they're just going to take this great talent. Joe and then Joe Altabelli. Joe, thank you. And they're going to take this talent that's already been put in place by one person and, and turn it into a champion. And, and then the team's going to suck or not be as good anymore. Uh, so that, that intensity, Douglas had to fire that intensity, and it just had to be his dad. All right. Then Buster gets a couple more nondescript wins, and then he gets a shot at Mike Williams. Mike Williams is an interesting guy because he looked the part. It's one of those looks oh, like yeah. Tarzan, plays like Jane. And Mike Williams mm. was a guy that actually a few years later would be Union Kane in Rocky Five. The other interesting thing about Mike Williams is he was supposed to be a title defense for Tommy Morrison. And it was kind of playing off the movie. I think this was right after Morrison had won the WBO title over George Foreman. And the problem was Mike Williams wouldn't refuse to come out of the dressing room and went back home. And they ended up bringing a guy out of the stands to fight Tommy Morrison in that fight. So Mike Williams was a guy that was undefeated, I think, at this point. Correct, Chris? Yes, he's he was actually being groomed to face Tyson. He was the one that, that – it wasn't Douglas. Douglas was just supposed to give him some competition. It was Williams that was being groomed. And Williams was the uh, Olympic heavyweight finals, uh, uh, American trials against uh, Tyrell Biggs. So nobody really – something was going wrong with Americans' interest in Olympic boxing because Americans really don't even care. You know, these were two guys that were going to fight to see who goes to the Olympics. And uh, Tyrell Biggs beat Mike Williams. But Mike Williams, uh, he looks the part of a, a movie star. He's just muscle Adonis kind of guy. Um, and Douglas is just hired by Don King, paid good money by Don King. Don King's the man. Uh, just asked him, you know, go in there and, and try, you know, be in shape, you know, have some heart. And what – and nobody, this is the first round. It's going to get Sugar Ray Leonard's attention. It's going to get Evander Holyfield's attention. It's this round, the third round, because nobody's ever seen a heavyweight put a guy down twice in one round with a jab. And, and Doug's two jabs are going to send Williams down twice. And, and that caught the attention of some level of the boxing world. There's one of them. Uh, and, uh, and then Douglas himself, people, just a mediocre fighter. That's really his reputation. Uh, not even a journeyman at best. And, and again, Don King, um, this is going to be the one show that he, he won't want to kill us. Um, that uh, you got to give the guy credit. He's giving Buster Douglas the opportunity. John Johnson's uh, keeping Douglas in shape, um, cares about him. He, Douglas has a good family unit. His mom's really loving. His dad gets pissed off with that. A mama's boy. He'll always be a mama's boy. Well, he's not a mama's boy. And he, well, I, he maybe he is, but you can be a great boxer and be a mama's boy too. And, uh, and Douglas is showing. A, a different Buster Douglas than than anything in the boxing community. You know, it's still registered low, though, again, I'll point out Sugar Ray Leonard and, and Evander Holyfield. They were certainly aware of this round, and they were, uh, wow, look at that jab. Maybe he's just, maybe this guy should just stick to a jab. Uh, you know, it's a powerful jab. And, and remind people of Larry Holmes. And when you can remind somebody 
uh, uh, and and not and it's not a joke, but really reminding somebody of Larry Holmes' ability with a jab. Uh, he, he's got a weapon and, he, and he's got size. He does have more heart than people think. He's just so under the radar. So all he really did in this fight was knock out Mike Williams, Mike as a, as a competitive person against uh, the undefeated heavyweight champion, Tyson. Uh, no more Mike Williams for the, uh, the heavyweight championship. But uh, Buster Douglas, okay, you did a good job. Good job, Buster. Get your pay. Nobody really cares about him. And again, uh, Don King's quietly the man as far as uh the one time he one of the few times where he actually did you know do something good because it'd been easy to dump buster douglas who cares about buster douglas but put him under contract and trust buster yeah, douglas. Don't, don't you think he put him under contract for him to lose the guys like mike williams and to maybe get a title shot oh, absolutely. knocked out because he, they hey, yeah thank you mike for adding reality to my little fantasy that don king's not a monster you're right he didn't put he didn't he wasn't being mr nice guy and and a wonderful patron of the boxing world by giving buster douglas you know a decent opportunity uh he wanted buster douglas to to lose to Mike Williams, uh, he expected him to lose to Mike Williams. Uh, but, but, but meanwhile, he didn't punish Douglas for for beating the guy that that he wanted to control. And it looked great undefeated record against Mike Tyson. That that isn't going to happen. All right, let's go ahead. We'll go to round seven, which is the last round of the fight, I believe, isn't it? I guess it is. Uh, absolutely. And he's he's going to knock him down again with the left. Uh, I wouldn't call it so much a jab. It might be more of a left lead, but his left was, is the weapon. And uh, uh, eventually when Williams goes down, I really like the way the referee handled it. Uh, the you know uh, Sometimes a technical knockout doesn't look the same thing as a knockout, but all it means is the referee doesn't feel there's a reason to count to 10. And, and he, he, he grabs a, a hold of Williams on, while Williams is on the ground, not bothering with his counter, even calling it quite a knockout, and saying, hey, stay down, stay down. Uh, we're we're going to... Where we want medical care to look at you, and he's trying to wave the bout over. It's over. Uh, but uh, I really like the way the referee uh, handled uh, this uh, this knockout uh, with a lot of compassion, heart, and, and and giving him good advice that don't move. Let's get the medical personnel in here and, and evaluate you and look at you, and they'll decide when you move. So, um, and, and meanwhile, for Douglas, again, this is this really stayed. This was still the fight that when eventually he fought. Uh, Mike Tyson, and they were trying to say, can this guy last more than 90 seconds with Tyson? They said, I don't think so, buddy. But he had this one really good fight. He had this great jab and this great fight against uh, a guy named an Adonis, uh, Jim Lafley would always call him, uh, an Adonis named um, Mike Williams. Um, and that still, uh, most people, including myself, uh, it wasn't so easy necessarily to watch uh, this fight if, if you didn't see it live uh, at the time. So uh, there, oh, there. Wasn't this yeah. the Tyson Spinks undercard? Uh, yes, in fact, yes. The this was this was right before Tyson Spinks. So what everybody's doing is you have a lot more people that don't really watch boxing gathering. Everybody's gathering together for a party, and, and meanwhile they're kind of talking through this one, and, and only they're like they'll be like, I didn't see this one, but usually it'd be me, some other guy, and some girl just sitting around watching the one the bout before, and this would be the bout before. No, this was two uh, bouts before. I think Trevor no. Burbick fought Carl to Truth Williams in the fight right before Tyson Spinks. I let me think about that. Oh, you know what? You're right. Absolutely, you're right. Because it's Pinklin Thomas. I know it's a Mike Tyson's fight. The same day we set these things up so that Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson versus Pinklin Thomas, the former uh, heavyweight champion. Uh, that's right, and uh, uh, that was the fight that would follow this one, uh, and uh, that would be a, a decent fight, you know, considering um, there was yeah, it was, and I think Carl Williams won the fight, and then Williams got the title shot next against Tyson, I believe. No, no, uh, look, look, I'll clarify this day at least, uh, that uh, against uh, Pinklin Thomas, uh, Tyson, uh, five good rounds by Pinklin Thomas, I would say, very five very good rounds against uh, Mike Tyson, and then uh, Tyson annihilates him, knocks him out, you know, solid in the sixth round, and that again was the same day as uh, uh, this fight, which is right no, after this fight. No one. I remember because Pinklin Thomas, who we had on our Ledge of the Boxing show, actually fought him outside in Vegas. And it was the same night that Michael Spinks fought Jerry Cooney. Well, good. You know, I'm going to trust that. I'm going to trust you. Uh, when I tangle, when I get all these fights together, uh, I can tangle them a little bit. So, uh, absolutely. I know Tyson's fighting the same night. So, if you say that's was Tyson Spinks, you're right. Then that's exactly what it was. It was because it was you're right. Tangle Thomas followed Tucker. Yeah. Tangle Thomas followed Tucker Douglas. And then Spinks would follow 
this fight. Thank you, Mike. Uh, as I said, I, you jumble a lot of stuff around and I don't have like notes and stuff. It's just trying to memorize it while you have the coronavirus. The government's a shut down, shutting down tomorrow. And trying oh, to oh, oh, everything on the coronavirus. If the government doesn't <laughs> shut down till midnight. I'm sure they'll do something half-assed to try to make everything work. Well, one thing wasn't half-assed was uh, Buster Douglas. Uh, uh, these uh, at this uh, point, he was half-assed a lot of times, but no, not at this point in his career. He wasn't. And then next up, February twenty-fifth of nineteen eighty-nine, pretty much one year before he would get the shot at Mike Tyson, he fought Trevor Burbick at Las Vegas Hilton. This was the Tyson Bruno undercard, correct? Yes, thank you. That one, that one, you're right, absolutely. And I'm, I'm, I'm remembering it. And uh, uh, Trevor Burke was also a former champion, the one that Douglas, I mean, Tyson annihilated. Though Trevor Burke had a horrible game plan for that, knocked him out in the third round. Very impressive when Tyson, you know, beat Burbick to become a, cha a champion. Um, and uh, Burbick went in with heart. He, he was older, I think he was like 34. Uh, he went in there to fight and, 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 and kind of try to slug with this guy who wasn't going to slug with him. He, uh, Douglas was going to hit him, jab, 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 jab. Um, but uh, Douglas, uh, these are very important fights because now with Mike Williams gone, you're still trying to figure out keeping the underground these uh, the sort of bigger opponents for Mike Tyson and maybe ones uh, can you get one in like a B sort of one that's just a good payday. And uh, being groomed for this at this moment, so Jose Rivalta, who had given Mike Tyson a really good fight uh, the first time around, or fun fight, an entertaining fight. I don't think I thought Tyson was in trouble ever, but that uh, it was entertaining. Jose Rivalta's entertaining. Jose uh, Rivalta was about the first guy outside of James Quicktillis that actually stood up and fought Tyson. It wasn't absolutely. really afraid. The way he looked at Tyson during the, the, the referee instructions, like, you know, look, uh, I loved it, and I, I like Jose a lot. Uh, and uh, and then he got knocked out Michael Spinks, in the, I mean, not Michael Spinks, Leon Spinks, former heavyweight champion in the first round. So now he's being set up to possibly fight uh, uh, Tyson. And he's going to get two guys in their debuts, a couple of stiffs, and Jose Rivalta is going to score a uh, first-round knockout to them, which is sort of this period right here. Uh, and meanwhile, uh, Douglas is uh, high up there in the sort of rankings without anybody really taking much notice of him. And so uh, even though he looks great against Trevor Burbick, and you can see Burbick's a big guy, um, it's still not really registering that that, that Douglas is even going to fight Tyson. Uh, he's just keeping his, his commitment. He's got John Johnson's corner. He doesn't have to listen to his dad all the time. He sees his dad. It's not like they don't talk. Um, you know, loves his mom and likes his family. He's got a girl, a real a, a, a woman that he, he loves. Um, they haven't broke up yet, I don't believe. And um, and the mother of, I think, his child. And uh, th life is going pretty good for Buster Jess Douglas, and he's proud of himself. He's like, you know, I got a real job, and, I, and I'm taking this job seriously. Uh, and, and he is, and dominating. Uh, it, it's important that Douglas looked good, and that's what paved his way to face Tyson. And then against Burbick, I'd say he won – Nine out of ten rounds would be all ten rounds. Uh, it, it's it's a dominating performance, and again, that's against a guy who never backed down. Burbick did not back down. Burbick had there's people who want to say terrible things about him, and maybe those are true, but but at least as far as did he show up? Did he try against Buster Douglas? He did. Uh, and he, he tried hard all ten rounds, and he's just facing somebody who's better, um, quite frankly. And um, that's that's the difference. And that jab, that jab that uh, keeps hitting you. Um, and what do you do? It's not e it's not that easy to come up with a, an effective stop. It'd been interesting to see someone like Witherspoon, who who had that amazing stop, sort of shot Larry Holmes jab, but uh, and you know even though he lost, uh, but uh, no one's really coming up with a, a strategy against Douglas himself in these bouts uh, of how to stop that jab. Yeah, right. and I think the other thing you look at as we watch this is Trevor Burbank. You know, the fans. This is the second round of the fight. And when you look at this version of James Buster Douglas, I remember thinking when they said he's going to fight Mike Tyson, I remember saying to my dad, you know, that's the this is round seven. That's the kind of guy that can beat him, but he's not the guy that can, if you know what I mean. So I thought he had the style to get it done, but I did not think that he had the chin. Or and and really, when you say to Chin, I think that that's really wrong to say here because there's nothing that shows you James Buster Douglas doesn't have a chin. What you saw against Tony Tucker was he took some hellacious shots in the tenth round, and he was more wore out than anything else. But he never went to the ground canvas. 
No, I didn't go to the canvas. And again, I do think it's a decent referee stoppage because it's not obvious that Douglas isn't going to continue to take punches. Uh, and and so uh, you're right. He didn't hit the canvas. Uh, and, and he is a, a big guy. Now, it, it, the, the reputation on Buster Douglas, which I can understand, but it's an awkward one because he's how big he is uh, size-wise, is he can't throw a punch. He is. He's a very awkward right. Uh, when he when he really tries to throw it, there's a black great right. He, he really not listening to me there, but uh, he'll he'll loop it a lot of times. He'll put his foot sort of on the wrong um, area in the right. It'll loop really strange, and and so it doesn't really have the power it should have. And there really wasn't much you could do at this point in his career to to fix that. Uh, so the increasingly as people are watching Buster Douglas and noticing him because he's fighting under. Uh, Tyson, as you see, all the fans are waiting for Tyson Bruno. Uh, all the rich people that get to watch these fights. Too bad. If they let a few poor people in, we'd be sitting there like that guy. We'd be sitting there getting to watch something. They'd still make you leave when the main event started, though, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is. But uh, but Douglas is at least impressing people watching him, you know, really for the first time and saying, uh, I'm talking about the commentators, and saying, uh, and, and not Lampley and Merchant. I don't think I, I like them. Lampley a lot, but not the way he handled Buster Douglas uh, until the Tyson fight. But uh, to we know what concentrating your jab. Your jab is really effective. It's a good jab. It's a lot better jab than people think. And the guy's in really great shape. Uh, uh, this is the guy that was like three hundred and something pounds. Uh, he looks terrific, and it doesn't seem like with Buster Mathis, who was the same thing over three hundred pounds. When they took him down to about two thirty-two, uh, he felt weak. Uh, he felt you know tired. That maybe too much uh, weight had been taken off. But Douglas seemed to be fine in that zone. That taking off all that weight uh, did nothing. That took away his, his strength, uh, or or eventually his wind. And he didn't really have wind. I was wondering how could Buster Douglas, Investor Mathis, get his wind together? Uh, would have helped his career. Douglas just by having these long fights uh, is is having to learn. As you said, he tired against Tucker. Uh, it wasn't obvious that that was what was going to happen, and did happen. But he did. But now he's with uh, at least seven rounds with Mike Williams and. Uh, and now he's going to go the distance with Trevor Burbick. He is building up a, a wind and endurance that, again, it's already, everything's under the radar. Uh, the, and also, he's you know up in line of a thought against Mike Tyson, but really, it's Jose Rivalta that's that's going to that's being set up to to fight Tyson again for the championship. All right, this is Buster Douglas, Oliver McCall. Oliver McCall was a tough sob. Actually, won a portion of the title. I think would he lose it to Frank? Oh, yeah. Bruno? And he beat Larry Holmes in a close fight against an old Larry Holmes. Oliver McCall was also one of Mike Tyson's toughest sparring partners later on. Tyson's favorite sparring partner, he would say. Uh, Give a couple rounds that were uh, uh, really energetic. I did watch the the the. the how they sparred and uh really mccall has to fight you know like a sparring partner he's not a lead act this is going to be a big fight for him um because uh, uh you really just kind of throw the jab and you you try to get tyson so he gets his accuracy a little bit better and and two thousand dollars a week and, and tyson at least bringing up your name it did lead him to get to fight a buster douglas and uh this is going to be the night where everything changes right before this bout um jose ribalta in a shocker faces a guy named jeff sins who would never win a boxing bout again, uh, a real journeyman. If people think Buster Douglas is a journeyman, then they don't, never thought about uh, Jeff Sims. And Jeff Sims knocks down Jose Rivalta. And after 10 rounds, Jose Rivalta, the, the attitude has changed so dramatically on him. Jose Rivalta does not look like his heart's in it. You know, we, and we're not sure he's you know wh where his head's at. He gets knocked down by Sims. Good night for Jeff Sims. Good night for these two guys too. So all of a sudden going into the fight, Buster Douglas is uh, our, now – put at the top of the charts as a, a real serious person to face uh, Mike Tyson before the Holyfield fight. The Tyson-Holyfield fight is what everybody wants, but uh, Douglas is going to move his, himself along. And meanwhile, Oliver McCall, by giving Douglas a better fight, which shows something about Douglas's reputation growing, uh, Oliver McCall will be able to, to not have to be a sparring partner and have a name for himself even in defeat. And he, he does try to get away, get away, not let Douglas control that jab, but Douglas does. Douglas wins. Um, eight, nine, uh, again, maybe all 10 rounds. I'd say, uh, to give McCall credit, how about eight rounds and just say McCall at least was able to try to defuse that jab. They'd say, tell McCall in the corner, well, go out there and fight him. Well, the problem is McCall's willing to do that, but, uh, but Douglas is just, you know, uh, nailing with the jabs and backing him off from that. And again, Jim Lampley and, and Larry Merchant totally disappointing as announcer. Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Leonard has is watching and paying attention. They're paying attention to Melanie Griffith and her latest movie and garbage. And and, and it, it's kind of just 
I don't know, it's kind of embarrassing for fighting, but who is paying attention, who's also in the stands, way before all these other people there, Evander Holyfield and President Trump. Uh, they're there early. Trump never gets anywhere early. But Evander Holyfield, nobody's quite gotten locked into who, who's going to control this fight with uh, Tyson. Uh, looking at $100 million or more, well, then Donald Trump's your best friend. Donald Trump wants to hang out with uh, Evander Holyfield. And Evander Holyfield's there for no other reason than he's curious about these two heavies, but that Douglas jab in the third round against Williams, he wants to see that live. Uh, and Oliver McCall, a good enough performance that he'd propel him to, to not be a sparring partner shocks the world knocking out the other champion at the time lennox lewis in the second round a second round knockout of lennox lewis by oliver mccall and suddenly at that moment later on uh you'll he'll be a heavyweight champion so at lampley and merchant while they're not caring about this fight mike tyson is the unified heavyweight champion nobody thinks anyone can compete against him what would they thought if they were saying hey to, to let you know these two guys you're watching are both going to become heavyweight champion One's going to be the unified heavyweight champion. They're both going to become heavyweight champion. Now would you pay attention to the fight? Who cares about Don Johnson's clothes? They're white. They're all white. Who cares? He's Miami shit. Who cares? Watch the heavyweight boxing bout, guys. That's what they're paying you to do. Just like Sugar Ray Leonard. Sugar Ray Leonard. Paying attention saying, I really like this Buster Douglas. Uh, I, I'm really impressed by Buster Douglas. All right. My, my only question here is Jeff Sims lost to Jose Ribalta in that card. Oh, yeah. He lost that bout, and he never won again. It's that Rivaldo looked bad. He got knocked oh, down. And because then he, actually, from what I read. Rounds, they said, this guy's a disappointment. It's so bad that they said, it's not like he got a, a flash knockdown and, and won the fight. And they said, we know these things happen. Now, this guy's really disappointing. He's off the radar. We are not putting Jose Rivaldo yeah. against my All that was announced is, before that fight. What I read was, and from talking to Jose, because I yeah. interviewed him a couple uh, years uh, ago, guy. was that he, they ended up, they put him in tougher they put him in against terrible Tim Witherspoon, and they did that just to see how he would do, and Tim Witherspoon beat him. I think it was by a decision, not 100% sure. But, of course, Witherspoon was never getting a shot at Tyson because I don't think Don King would have ever allowed that just because of the history between Tim Witherspoon and Don King. Yeah. And well, really, uh, I'd have liked to have seen that fight because we know Tim Witherspoon wouldn't have been Yes, afraid. I do believe that would have been a, a competitive fight. It would have been a good fight. So one of those fights that – that because Witherspoon also went, I remember now he'd gone like five or six years without a loss, too, just because he hadn't been fighting because he'd been fighting in court with Don, with, uh, Don King. But uh, but uh, it just looked like it wasn't going to happen. And and uh, and uh, Don King was did have was going to have control over the fight before uh, Holyfield uh, Tyson and, and Douglas was looking appealing because it, it's not, it, it, they wouldn't have done that if they had really thought uh, the 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 Buster Douglas that Evander Holyfield and Sugar Ray Leonard is seeing. Uh, everybody else isn't seeing that person. Everyone, they're not even watching the fights. Uh, Don King's probably watching him, but they, he's a competitive guy. But Tyson, at this point, nobody just thinks anyone can compete against him. He's had a great run uh, as the undefeated heavyweight champion, uh, uh, an impressive run. Uh, so, uh, but but with Buster Douglas going into the McCall fight, saying, "Wow, if I win this fight and look good, I'm going to face Mike Tyson." That's that's his head. Uh, that's what everyone's saying before the fight. Um, and um, he he goes in there inspired, and so did Aubrey McCall. Uh, it's really one of those fights that you only think it sucks if you've got the audio on, and they keep telling you it sucks. But if you turn the audio down and just watch the visual, uh, it's a much better fight. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead. we got James Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson. We're going to pick it up. This is round seven just in it. Getting ready to go into round eight. The one thing that was interesting here was you get all the Mike Tyson excuses. How is it ready? But look at the end swell there's in, Chris. It looks like they've got a condom filled with water to try to keep the swelling down his face. Absolutely. And then to, to be a reminder, uh, after that Douglas McCall fight, uh, Mike Tyson followed it by fighting, fighting Carl Truth Williams. Knocks him out one round, 90 seconds. And Tyson went is kind of looking bored. You know, well, Douglas is always a little bit hard to read uh, with not a lot of attention. And HBO has Here to get uh, Here, Greg, Greg Page. Page. Um, Greg Page drops him in training camp. Yep, Greg Page. You know, we can see good things about Greg Page in this cast. I thought he did fight well against uh, Douglas, even though I was okay with the decision. Uh, big to Douglas' career to beat Greg Page. Um, but uh, uh, so Tyson has this 90-second uh, win against Carl Truth Williams. The fight's in Japan because nobody wants to Nobody wants to even put odds on it. You can't well, they, they had a hard time selling tickets in Japan, too. Yeah, they didn't sell it like out. 20, they didn't sell it out. Like twenty or 25,000 in a stadium. The Tokyo Dome did seated, like, seated like 70,000 people. They, it, they sold all the high-dollar tickets, though. Yeah, it, it's amazing because uh, uh, Japan does get into their cult of personalities. You know, we have all the jokes with the cameras and stuff. So they really like Mike Tyson, the personality. 
the, the celebrity kind of guy, followed him everywhere he went. And, um, but, you know, maybe the price of the tickets were too high. Japan does have a good boxing community. Their, their style though, their, their, their culture is to be quiet. You know, they believe that like watching a tennis match, that's how you watch a boxing bout. And I have no idea the right way to watch a boxing bout. I know I yell a lot just because you can yell a lot at a boxing bout. And, uh, I, and I don't go when there's champions because I can't afford it. So I get to go when there's just people nobody's ever heard of. And it's fun to yell and get up and, and a boxing bout, to go to a pro boxing bout, uh, when people aren't famous and it doesn't cost that much money, that's the best ticket in town. Take your gal to that or the gal, take your guy to that and you have a lot of fun. Uh, that's when boxing's at its best. Well, except for this fight. Uh, Doug is inspired. They asked Douglas, uh, what do you like to do? He says, I like to read Shakespeare. Just the, you don't think the guy's going to be Tyson, you know, is a big Shakespeare fan. What's your, what's your favorite piece of literature? Romeo and Juliet. I don't even think they asked Mike Tyson before he fought Douglas what his piece of, favorite piece of literature was. So Douglas doesn't help himself with talk like that, though his, his mom would pass away, a sudden stroke, 46 years old. And, and being a mama's boy, um, I don't think it affected Douglas until really the ninth round. I think until then he'd just been focused the right way to fight him. And the right way to fight him would be a double jab. And the second round, the first round, a uh, great round between Douglas and Tyson. The second round, Douglas clearly won it. And, and that was the best round already, just the second round, that anybody had ever fought against Mike Tyson. So you you, you had to be, well, it's not going to last. Well, now there was. Is it the eighth round? Yeah. And now it's... Yeah, look at that jab. That, that's, that's pretty. That's Larry Holmes-esque right there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And this is what this is the ninth round actually, right? This is a slug it out point round. Oh, I think this is the eighth. Is it is the eighth and alone? It looks really like like the ninth. But anyway, uh, because uh, in the eighth, I, I know we're just following it, so it has to be the eighth round. I just don't remember Tyson fighting the, this this well in the into the eighth round. I thought even though Douglas had been dominating, was still dominating him. Um, yeah, you're right. No, it's the ninth round. It's got to be anyway. Uh, when Douglas finally gets knocked down, it, it knocks something loose in him to a, to a degree that in the ninth round, that with two minutes to go, he does something nobody believes. He decides to quit everything he's been doing as a boxer and slug it out with Mike Tyson. Uh, there he is, the eighth round knockdown. I didn't remember Tyson fighting that well in the eighth round. You know, I had to watch a million Douglas fights, and I didn't watch this one as much. Because it was Antonio oh. Moran, who they tried to say gave a long count. But if you watch this, Buster gets up when he counts nine. And that's the only thing that matters. There's no clock on it except for that referee. Absolutely. And that's just people being, uh, you know, sort of uh, poor sportsmanship or complaining when all is said and done. Um, I think that uh, the, the St. Louis Cardinals have a right to be really pissed off that they lost the World Series to Kansas City on a ground ball. That clearly, they threw Jose Orta out. They threw him up by a mile. It, it didn't work out. They lost the World Series. Bacon, people don't say St. Louis won the World Series. No. It, that was Kansas Bacon City won it. Screwed that up. So, you, you know, game seven, though, they didn't have to get beat 11 to nothing. Well, the manager <laughs> needs to get thrown out. You need to throw a temperamental guy out in the ring. Uh, so I will say for Tyson, that was great. He landed a punch right before this, and Douglas tried to lean in, probably trying to grab Tyson because that had been one of his strategies. Not as much, not obvious, but he, uh, to give Tyson credit that that at this moment, he's still been saving it up. He's becoming a one-eyed fighter. And to land it uh, right after the other punch, yeah. uh, that's, that's incredibly impressive about Mike Tyson. Yeah, but it's more impressive to me Buster Douglas got up because I can tell you this, when I watched that fight live, yeah. I thought the fight was over once that happened because I was thinking of the Tony Tucker fight. I give you credit and the money to be able to watch it live because uh, most, of it, most people had the money just to watch it. Didn't it was watch on it. HBO, Chris. Yeah, I didn't, we didn't have HBO. We didn't have cable. I still thing. don't have cable. I don't have cable. Hey, this is the thing. You know, I didn't have cable at the time either because I live in Indiana. But my grandmother lived in downtown Aurora, Indiana, where they had right. HBO. Yeah. And I would go watch the fights at her house. The only deal was I had to watch Lawrence Welk before we watched the fight. Well, one thing I did do is I, you know, I worked to save my money and I got a bootleg copy because I wanted to see this fight as soon as, as soon as I heard Douglas won. I wanted to watch it. So it cost me like 50 something dollars to get on some raggedy looking. Uh, well, hell of a bit cheaper to get HBO, Chris. Well, you know, at, at the time I'm focused. I want to see this. I want to see this one. Anyway, uh, to watch it, the ninth round just shocked me. It, Doug, Douglas dominating Tyson shocked me in itself. Uh, it, it clearly wouldn't have been sort of unfair for him to lose, but these things happen. But in the ninth round, with the two minutes to go, he decides to slug it out with Mike Tyson, and and you hear Douglas afterwards. He's like, you know, he come to fight me, I'll fight him. He thinks he's so tough. Mike Tyson's so tough because Douglas is so upset about his mom dying. And I got to say this, my mom's still alive, and I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful to God for that. 
Uh, but uh, if something happened to my mom, I don't even know how I could live the next day. I don't really think I could. Um, and, and for Buster Douglas uh, to not only decide he's, he's going to live and be strong and to continue his training, and, and but at this point, he, he's pissed off at the legend of Mike Tyson. He's pissed off. He's it hurt and sad. And, and, and he's, he's brawling with a guy and thinks, I'm not afraid of this guy. I've been hit harder than this guy. Um, uh, Mike White hit me harder than this guy. Uh, and, and there's there's confidence in, in brawling and just a Buster Douglas you'd never see again. Uh, a flash in the pan or a one-fight wonder. He's not a one-fight wonder how good a boxer he is, but but this is a uh, – and the great rights. This is the best the, – the, the right, right there, too, and walk right through it. I'm sorry. What did he say? said he caught another big uppercut from Tyson, and he landed the next 10 punches after it. You Absolutely. Here, Tyson's done. They could have stopped the fight right here easily. You're right. I'm so glad they didn't, but you're right. I would not I would not fault the referee, though everybody else would hang him if, if he did that. But, but I wouldn't have faulted him because Tyson you know is in what? trouble. If Tyson's losing, he's being hung anyways just because of all the delusional Mike Tyson fans out there. You're right. They found a reason to hate him anyway. They, uh, Even though he, he – obviously he's not favoring Buster Douglas, but he, he's letting the fight continue. He's giving Tyson a, a chance that there's – something left in him though mike tyson doesn't look like there's a lot left in him uh he doesn't look like he's playing uh possum or anything it looks like he's getting beat up by this guy there's this guy nobody had really heard of though again there are people like uh sugar ray leonard or, or andrew holyfield there are people that didn't think tyson would lose they just they weren't as surprised as the rest of us in the sports community if they call it the biggest upset uh in sports history it's because People really didn't watch, hadn't watched any of Buster Douglas fights, myself included. Yeah, but you know what? This is the thing. I've seen a lot of Buster Douglas fights, and seeing those fights, especially like the Tony Tucker fight, kind yeah. of just is why I didn't think he had a chance. Like I said, I thought he had right, a to it, but come on, he tapped out against Tony Tucker. There's no right, and the word way to put it. And the word was because these things, you know, there's not a lot of words about Buster Douglas, but the word that stood out, quitter. Yeah, but that's the quitter, and that's the that's word. Why Don King put him in the ring for this fight in Tokyo. He was just supposed to be there to be a sacrificial lamb. They go to Tokyo, they fight for three to six minutes, they go home with their money. Absolutely, uh, maybe not even fight for three minutes. A lot of people said ninety seconds, and you know what? Again, Don King is it's 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 good to to Buster Douglas. Well, until after this fight, uh, because he's he's he already used his four his four fight contract up. So till King signed a special one fight contract but he forgot to sign that there's automatically a renewal on and if douglas won he didn't didn't have that clause he just was gonna be a one fighter paying douglas over a million dollars um expecting douglas last 90 seconds um he all right he, he shows up with a suitcase of cash you're actually only getting five hundred thousand. take the money take whatever whatever you can get still it's a great payday uh for a guy that many didn't care about and and at this point don king would have been very good they would have separated it and and douglas has some money in his pocket uh uh back to columbus ohio and uh not a bad career it's totally forgettable yeah but this one night makes him one of probably the 10 most famous boxers to the general public for the rest of eternity Absolutely. And there's been an uh, increasing, especially as uh, Evander Holyfield eventually uh, exposed Tyson and so did Lennox Lewis, that that those two fights, those two fighters uh, led to a reevaluation of Mike Tyson. And that led to a reevaluation of Buster Douglas. And look, this is a Buster Douglas that, you know, it isn't a joke. You don't accidentally knock out Mike Tyson. Especially um, this is the thing. you could accidentally knock out somebody in a round like Michael Bent did Tommy Morrison. But when you beat a guy's ass for probably seven out of yes. the ten rounds or eight out of the ten rounds and stop him, that's not a fluke. No, not at all. He dominated. That's what I, that was impressed me when I finally got the bootleg copy was how until the knockdown, how well, how easily uh, Douglas dominated Tyson when it wasn't easy to even come up with anybody who actually won a round against Mike Tyson. Generally, somebody would put up a competitive round against Tyson and you would say, I'm giving it to the other person, like Tony Tubbs against Tyson in the first round, just because they're showing something. Uh, Douglas in the, in the second round clearly uh, beat Mike Tyson in that round uh, and then continued to do it and continued to do it. Uh, it was it was just amazing. A double left jab. Dad wasn't there, but his, that was his dad's plan, and he finally listened to his dad in fighting Tyson. And uh, John Johnson had him in great shape. And then, uh, again, I think something when Douglas got knocked down, something something snapped in him. And, and somewhere in the ninth round, he's a, he's a tough, big kid whose mom died. 
and doesn't like the son of a bitch who thinks he's so much goddamn better than him, thinks he's so much tougher. You're tougher than me? My mom died, you know, and, and, and started throwing and landing punches on Tyson like it nobody believed was humanly possible. All right, now here's one thing. I don't know if you knew or not, but the plans from Don King and the WWF, Vince McMahon, were for Mike Tyson to be in Joe Louis Arena two weeks after the James Buster Douglas match to referee the WWF title match between Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, which was live primetime on a Saturday night. Tyson never made it to Detroit. The plan actually was to do kind of a Rocky Three with Thunder Lips against Rocky Balboa, and then later in the summer actually have Hulk Hogan against Mike Tyson. That ended up not working out, and the way this turned out was Buster Douglas a couple weeks after appearing as the referee, and that was it. He didn't really – I mean, this is the thing. Buster Douglas nearly ruined the WWF because that was their big thing for the summer, and it was taken away because in 1989, Mike Tyson was the most famous athlete in the world. This is before yeah. Michael Jordan had won an NBA World Championship. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, okay. when you, you could actually find articles – that this match was actually in the works. And I wouldn't say, I wouldn't give in as, as, as Michael Jordan, you know, who does six championships in his final six seasons, two years he played baseball, uh, and as famous as Michael Jordan is, if anyone was more famous than him as an athlete, it would be Mike Tyson, and, and I think he was. Uh, Tyson was, he still didn't watch Jordan on just all the entertainment shows uh, that you'd see Tyson on. Uh, and w one thing to point out is the next 72 hours after this bout, because uh, it was important to boxing, and, and, and finally Don King and, uh, you know, most people hadn't watched this fight, but then within a very quick, short amount of time, within 48 hours, Don King's trying to turn around. You have Don King and Mike Tyson trying to turn this thing around. The judges' cards, after Douglas dominated them, they had Tyson ahead. And that in itself shocked people. They said, wait a minute, was this thing, you know, and now and now they're trying to take it away from this guy. This guy won fair and square. They're trying to take it away from him. the boxing community rebelled heavily against Don King, more than against Mike Tyson, heavily against Don King. He's trying to cheat. He's trying to cheat and take this away, take this away from the guy that actually won. And it was such a strong outpouring of anger against Don King. And, and for sure, he's going to take this thing away. Uh, uh, and he didn't. He couldn't. Uh, it, it became too big for even Don King to handle this. Uh, the outrage of trying to steal it from this guy. Um, it was too much. You could shoot and kill people. Americans can handle that. But cheating a heavyweight championship bout, as uh, Sharky learned a million years ago, uh, that'll piss off people. All right. I got, a, I got a story for you on this, all right? Because the XFL, Vince McMahon owns it, right? And mm -hmm. a few years ago, or about a year before the XFL started, I got to interview Vince McMahon. And he actually told me the plan for this. And this was basically in the months before Douglas' stunning victory, King and McMahon were actually working on a three-part scheme designed to take hundreds of millions of dollars from foolish sports fans. King, of course, owned Tyson, who was considered unbeatable at the time. McMahon's WWF owned Hulk Hogan, who was kind of a cartoon character, only pro wrestling can manufacture. Together, these two hustlers planned to combine their two superheroes into one of the grandest money-making streams in sports history. According to McMahon, a scenario was to unfold, I think it was February 23rd of 1990, that Tyson would receive a million dollars to serve as a guest referee on a wrestling card pitting Hulk Hogan against Randy Macho Man Savage, who, of course, was the designated bad guy. Tyson was to somehow interfere while refereeing, allowing Savage to win, and then Hogan and Tyson would get into it in the middle of the ring. And then you would have WrestleMania pay-per-view extravaganza between Mike Tyson and Hulk Hogan, which would have generated, McMahon said, at least $125 million at that time. I'm really glad that, that you brought up and even and shared that uh, uh, with the audience because that's very important as far as the history of boxing. And I'm a historian. I, I, I specialize in pre-20th uh, uh, century fights. Um, and... Really what it is, if you look at a boxer, how much they earn, they didn't really earn very much from boxing. Really what you earned, especially if you become champion, is what you can do with it, how to parlay it, and how to have these exhibitions and have these events. And so uh, boxing champions were fighting on events that had poetry and people singing and and, and oddball things that were just uh, put, put things together and make money basically off the heavyweight champion. I and mean, that's fair and square. And it sounds like the same thing. It's still going on, just bigger money involved and such. But it's always sort of a... 
what do I do after I win the championship? Now, this is where Buster Douglas was a disaster because um, he, I always believe you can fight whoever you want the first time around. And, and Douglas said, I, I did have the option. I, I wanted to fight Holyfield. People said he was the best. I thought the best guy should have the opportunity to fight me. Uh, but it, it led to a very quick rise and fall uh, for for this guy, which sort of by the rise and fall the way it was, it helped Mike Tyson in the sense that Tyson, I didn't really lose that fight. Most people loving Mike Tyson, just adoring Mike Tyson. No, there's no way he could have, you know, if there was a way he didn't lose. He's really a heavyweight champion. He just wasn't ready. He just wasn't this and that. And uh, so Tyson really held on to this invincible legend that the gamblers knew. The gamblers are watching now, waiting on Mike Tyson because they know this guy's not invincible because at this point, you, everybody has seen Buster Douglas. Now you can see it uh, various ways uh, and realize, wow, a guy could dominate Mike Tyson like this. There's somebody else that can do it. And uh, we're going to lay down the money when the odds come out right, which eventually would be 25 to 1 if you were the right if you were there Monday uh, betting on Vander Holyfield, uh, you know, right away, 25 to one, you lay down $300, you walked home with over 7,000. Uh, and the gamblers knew it based on this fight, uh, the, the fight before the Douglas. Uh, hey, uh, we have breaking news. Trump just signed the $900 billion coronavirus bill. Did he really? I told you it would happen because there was 14 million people about to go with no unemployment. So I'm, I'm glad you told me. Thank you for telling me that, Mike. I wanted to know I had not. Pay attention because I thought I had to focus on the show. Thank you for telling hey, me. That's six hundred dollars I need. So many Americans right now. We have so many evictions. Well, this is it the means thing. they're not going to be evicted. All these hey. people will be evicted in four days. I think the unemployment, the extra three hundred dollars there, and the extension is even bigger than that. Six hundred is nothing. Right. And I think Donald Trump was right to give a shot at the two grand. I wish they could have voted so the Republicans could have put their name to who voted no against the two thousand dollars. Yeah, but you know what? That's good, Mike. I didn't know you. I didn't know you felt that way. I kind of thought two and then let them come up with another number so two two uh, i'm just so glad they signed it because again uh, not just for myself i'm wasn't going to be evicted but a lot of people are being evicted in just like four days and and now they get they have a little time to plan whatever they're going to do well, it's just a great let, let's go ahead let's get back to the show but donald yeah. trump was involved in almost all of these fights somehow but here's evander holyfield above yeah, the cluster looks flabby there he weighed, I think, 246 for the fight, probably over 250 when he got into the ring. I also think the jab isn't working as effective. I don't think Douglas trained. Obviously, he did. His weight was a, a real issue going into the 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 when they actually uh, uh, did the weigh-in. Uh, but I also think that Evander Holyfield shows uh, more than people. People thought, well, Tyson's just going to eventually you know, knock out Holyfield. It's going to be real easy. I do think that when you watch the Tyson fights prior and watch Holyfield fights prior, uh, Holyfield's got a hand speed advantage over Mike Tyson. And, and that's not something you just uh, ignore. He's also got a heart. You're going to be tough against Mike Tyson. Uh, 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 Douglas, uh, pro again, gave him credit that he fought Holyfield. And it, it turned out, though, uh, all the goodwill for Don King, I should mention, came to an end. That when all said and done, uh, he found himself in court after court uh, across the world. A million lawyers and Buster Douglas eventually said, give Don King $4 million. Give my lawyers you know, millions of dollars. So it looks like he gets $26 million against Holyfield. No, uh, Don King gets four million of it. The lawyers are probably going to pick up another four million. The government's going to take about twelve million. Uh, so Douglas is going to probably clear about three million out of twenty-six million for it. That's a lot of money, but it, it's not what people are hearing. Uh, and that's so Don King, all the all the great stuff. I'm going to take away just like you did and should take away from because uh, it costs him a million dollars to say how much do I got to pay to get this guy out of my life? King said four million will do it. You pay me four million, you'll never see me again. Four million. Uh, well, now I know how to get you off the show. I'm kidding. Four, four, four million, four million is right. At this point, six hundred. I'll take anything. Uh, <laughs> and as we're talking about that stuff, I still love watching the boxing. I still love watching Vander Holyfield. Vander Holyfield. It, you know, we've never done a Vander Holyfield show only because there's so many great fights. It would go on forever. And because of that, also, we wouldn't be able to emphasize certain fights. We want to say, no, this is the really special one. So sometimes we do special Holyfield fights because he had quite a few of them. Real quick. Nick, there you go. Damn. Um, Nick M's classic boxing channel. Tyson in his book said Tillis and Rebolta were the only two men to have ever heard him. I think that is complete and utter bullshit because I watched Evander Holyfield leave him laying on the ring. I saw Buster Douglas leaving, fighting for his mouthpiece. Yeah, I watched Danny Williams knock the dog shit out of him. So Mike Tyson needs Mike Tyson is the biggest con artist I think possibly in boxing history outside of Don King and Bob Arum because the guy will say anything to make a buck. 
He just did it against Roy Jones like a month ago and fleeced people for money because people are stupid. Right. People buy the mystique. I mean, Mike Tyson needs to shut the hell up and go away, I think. Well, he actually, he has, he's, he's, he's finally with at least the, the boxing crowd, the boxing historians in general, uh, we've devalued Mike Tyson to such a degree that always because of me being a contrarian at heart, uh, who thought he was overrated and, until finally, you know, uh, uh, Holyfield put a stop to that. Uh, uh, but but I, the guy who, it was the same group of people, Custom Mile, Jim Jacobs, who took over Buster Mathis and couldn't quite get him to the championship. And I will say that Mike Tyson, when he was young, whether, whether, Boxing should have been his whole life. It was, and he was focused. And he watched. He knew everything about all the fights. He was really studied for. Now, Buster Douglas. He didn't bother to watch the fight. He didn't bother to watch Douglas fights. And this is another important thing. He's got nobody in his corner. He's fighter's trainer. Uh, so now he's got guys who are just soothing him and telling him, "Think of t- think of transcendental meditation when you're getting your ass kicked by Buster Douglas." Well, Buster Douglas has had a solid crop of people in his emotional life, his family, and uh, in the corner. There's always there's always a uh, John Johnson. John Johnson's always there in good times and bad, and uh, and and Tyson's just letting too many things go. Oh, I don't need to watch the fights anymore. I don't need to to know this guy I'm facing. I don't. I don't really. My head's on other things. It's in, into this and that. I don't need to be focused the way I am. I don't need a guy in the corner. I can do it myself. Um, it, there's just too many things. And all of a sudden, does all of a sudden you're looking at him against Buster Douglas and going, you know, he's fighting a really big guy with a reach advantage. A reach advantage. People will convince you it was to Tyson's advantage. Not to have the reach. Uh, that's crazy talk. But uh, Tyson was just very effective against the reach advantage. Well, how about this, though? Tyson was effective against the reach advantage when he moved his head. He Absolutely. gave angles. And no one thing. Defense. That, defense. Yeah. If you watch him against Buster Douglas, his problem was he was squared up all the time. You can't fight squared up. You have no balance. It was very unusual when uh, Tony Tucker landed that first round punch, landed a punch against Tyson. That was extremely unusual. One of the things about Tyson that is underrated is his defensive skills. He is a terrific de- defensive boxer uh, throughout his uh, heavyweight title and before that because uh, he moved his head. He was low. He was really hard to hit. You could never really land salt against this guy. Uh, and then against Douglas, he's just going to take double jabs, not just jabs, just take double jabs because – He's listening to his fans. It's cold. You just got to land one against this guy, which he almost did uh, and, and ended. Uh, but it turned out one punch didn't end it. And again, and it got his ass kicked, quite frankly, by Buster Douglas. Yeah. And then after that, Buster Douglas pretty much disappeared for almost yeah. six years. Gained up, weighed up, weighed near death. He went into a, co- he went into a yeah. coma uh, because of the food. He's eating goddamn rotten food. He's up to 300 and something pounds. He's become uh, a joke and, and mostly, but not completely, in the sense that the fans are kind of walking over. You know, hey, champ, you know, you sign my autograph. He's got that, but he looks horrible. And people are calling him Santa Claus. And they're saying, this guy's so bad, he's going to die. And he almost did. He almost died. And who's there uh, in rough times? Uh, uh, John Johnson. And yeah. John, we got to get you back in shape. Yeah, I didn't say Buster Mathis's life in the last show. But yeah, it did say Buster Douglas's life. He lost yeah. as a boxer. He didn't come back and 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 do anything special. But by the time he lost in the first round to Luis Avarisi, uh, uh, Vander Holyfield's heavyweight champion, and Lennox Lewis's heavyweight champion, and and Buster Douglas's best days are are over. But not. But that's it. His best days are over. Except he's not dead. Thanks to John Johnson and thanks to himself. Uh, and thanks probably to his family unit, the, the aunts and people that you know are close to him. He's alive right now. Uh, so if you if you think he, if you like him or hate him or whatever you think of him, uh, he's alive. I, I don't know how right. anybody could hate Buster Douglas because one night he was the baddest man on the planet. And for that one night, Buster Douglas, maybe for just that one night, was a top 10 heavyweight of all time. I equate it to oh, yeah. Bill Frazier, March 15th, 1971. Um, Roberto it, it, Duran, the night he beat Sugar Ray Leonard. I mean, maybe, maybe almost perfect. The thing of a couple of those, I'll just throw out. Uh, how about Jack Dempsey uh, in the first round against Jess Willard? Uh, how about yeah, uh, Willard, uh, Muhammad Ali face. in the third round against Sonny Liston? It was a shocker the first time around. Uh, yeah, oh, wow, this the, guy. The thing this, Jess Willard. Jess Willard wasn't very good. Um, Ali. Yeah, but for a small guy to beat up a big guy, especially because now these things are on film, people are actually going to see it. It shocked people. It was one of the most important rounds in boxing history as far as making money 
for boxing and the boxers. So, and, and it's incredible to watch. I mean, uh, thought one day we might do Furpo or something, but to watch Jack Dempsey against these big guys and knock him around, bringing Furpo knocked Dempsey completely out of the ring, but Dempsey came back. Uh, those are really great. Uh, you know what? Right here at the start of this fight, this is Buster's last stand against Lou Savarese. Yeah, he won a few, Buster, come back, Buster, and won a few. Buster don't look bad right now. No, and he won a. Uh, uh, he'd won six in a row, though one of them, uh, not to say it wasn't a win, it's just he got knocked out after the first round by a late punch. Uh, and uh, so he, he that was a disqualification win, but I shouldn't preface it. He's looking good, he's feeling confident, wasn't it? Hmm? I think it was Louis Monaco fight you're talking yeah, about, right? That sounds right, that sounds right. I think I, that was on USA Tuesday Night Fights. You're right, and at least uh, uh, Douglas is, you know, looking good enough, and he looks in you know much better shape than what you know, especially when people seen him on uh, uh, when they're showing him when he was like three hundred some odd pounds, he looked horrible. Uh, Aaron came back from death; he even proud of himself again. But Luis Alvarezi, you know, we'll give him the moment, you know, um, uh, and it, it would be a reminder to Buster Douglas because Tyson after this fight would knock out Savarese in the first round, and uh, that you know your, your days as a boxer are, are, are over. Uh, heavyweight title China dreams are over, and just, that stuff is not going to bother Buster. Well, he's, he's alive, he's got money, he's got good family, and John Johnson. Lou Savarese was a solid fighter, though. He beat Buster Mathis Jr. A lot of people thought he beat George Foreman. He did get KO'd by David Izon, but then he beats Buster Douglas. He beat Lance Mount Whitaker, which people thought was a big deal at the time, and then he lost a close unanimous decision to Michael Grant before he ran into Mike Tyson. Um, he later went on to beat Tim Witherspoon, but that was. And, and he gave Vanderhoof. I think we, he got a lot of credibility by at least competing with Vander Holyfield. Now, uh, it, it, it wasn't that bad. You mean George Foreman? Hmm? Against Vander Holyfield later on. Uh, because oh, I don't okay. think people yeah. thought, hey. people kind of thought this is a, a, especially after Tyson knocked him out in the first ring. Oh, yeah, I, I can tell fake you. Fighter. Fake fighter. Look at those fake fighters doing against Buster Douglas. Chris, <laughs> that, that was 2007, and it was a pay per view fight. And I paid for it because I figured with these two guys, it's going to be a fight. And it was actually worth the nineteen ninety five that I paid. Oh, I'm sure because at this moment, you now all of a sudden there there is thoughts of uh, could Savers be a title contender? It was because it, it it yes, it's an over the hill Buster Douglas, but it wasn't that obvious that that's the reason he lost. It was an over over the hill Lou Savarese by then too, though. Yeah, and and but but I I wanted to give the boxers props and it also put Buster Douglas and it was in a good state. Um, I'm hoping Mike Tyson's in a good state, you know, mental health wise. Something it seems like his therapy's done a lot for him. Uh, Tyson sounds better. I will give him that. Uh, still complaining about the Douglas fight, uh, but uh, uh, Douglas uh, has a good sense of humor. He's quiet. He kind of accepts it is what it is as far as whatever people think. And and really, most people, if they see him have an autograph, you know, can you sign for the autograph, champ? Uh, and, and it's got to be nice to walk around Columbus, Ohio. And people call you champ and know that you're one of the few people in Ohio and call themselves a heavyweight champion, unified one. All right. All right. We are done for this week, Chris. Next Sunday night, you want to do Oscar Bonavina, correct? That would be great. And I'll give myself these props just because it's Christmas holiday season. Uh, that uh, uh, I have on Amazon a book, uh, Boxing in the, in the Time of Christ, to so all the boxers before and during Jesus from Nazareth's time. And on Grueling Truth Network, we have a show, Boxing in the Time of Christ. So the best boxer when Jesus from Nazareth was alive. Uh, and I'm really proud that we have that because there are so many boxers thousands of years ago that just aren't given the attention that they deserve. And I think we did this show because we thought Buster Douglas wasn't still receiving quite the attention he deserves. So we hope to, to do something about that. All right, guys, I want to remind you that you can hear all of our shows on Anchor.fm now. Um, also, you can still hear us on Spreaker for the time being, but Anchor.fm. Also, all the articles and everything, Rockfin. Make sure you check out Rockfin and go check out the Grueling Truth Facebook page. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern, we'll be live with myself, Sam Teets, to recap all of today's NFL action. But for now, for Christopher Shelton, I'm Mike Goodpasser. You've been watching and listening. Happy holidays, Mom. To the grueling truth. Happy holidays, Mrs. Shelton, where the legends speak.